The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the meditation. Again, my name is May Elliott, and I'm really happy to be here with you this week. So for for the first several years of my meditation practice, my central, central task of meditation was coming back to the breath. The mind would deviate from the breath, and I would bring it back, and then I would do it again, and I would bring it back, and I'd bring it back, and I'd bring it back, and I'd bring it back. This might sound familiar to you. And uh, while this is skillful in many ways, it really took a long time for me before I realized it would actually be worthwhile to see why the mind was leaving to begin with. Like what was happening that was causing the mind to deviate from the the breath in the first place? Like what was hijacking the mind and taking it for a ride? So it wasn't until I started learning about the five hindrances that I really started seeing what was fueling my discursive thinking and why it was happening and then how to become free of it. So I really see a study as the hindrances um, of the hindrances as being uh, essential for anyone training in meditation, um, which is exactly why I want to spend some time covering the basic teachings on the hindrances this week. So this is uh, such a helpful training for for anyone interested in the art of meditation, um, and it completely applies to daily life practice as as well. So this is... um, Uh, really a cornerstone for um, learning how to be free in one's life and in one's practice. So the five hindrances are uh, start with sense desire. The second is ill will, often referred to as aversion. Um, The third is sleepiness, also known as sloth and torpor. The fourth is restlessness. And the last is doubt. So these are five specific states of mind that the the Buddha named as being known for obscuring clarity. Um, The hindrances inhibit our ability to see clearly. Uh, They they cover over and veil the mind. Um, But we usually don't even notice that they're happening. Um, There's a way that um, they're they're almost sneaky in the way that we get hijacked by them, um, but we don't even know that they're present. So by studying the hindrances, we're actually taking a look at the veil. You know, we're taking a look at what inhibits the clarity of mind. Or we might say, we are unveiling the veil. We're studying that which obscures. So in this talk, I'll share a general singular practice that can, we, that can be used for working with all five of the hindrances, kind of a one-size-fits-all practice. And then each day I'll go through, through each hindrance one by one, Uh, to share some of the specific information about that hindrance and some particular ways of practicing with each. So today we'll be talking about sense desire in Pali, that's Kamachanda. And uh, ways we might think of this hindrance include, um, as we might think of it as craving, uh, wanting to acquire things, longing, grasping. Um, And this hindrance is at work when we crave food and drink, when we crave entertainment, uh, sexuality. Uh, It can be mild or it can be the force behind staggering addictions. Um, 
So sense desire might be at work if we're uh, hankering for another Netflix episode, or if we're de decorating our living space, or if we're seeking pleasurable music or the perfect cup of coffee. Um, and it can even be active when we're, we're trying to recreate a blissful meditation experience. So these can um, all be expressions of sense desire. So as you know, we have five senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. Um, in Buddhism, we talk about six senses, the sixth being the mind. The mind is considered a sense gate and thinking is the activity. Um, so sense desire is craving for pleasant experiences at any of the sense gates um, because the, and because the mind can uh, really conjure anything, it lends itself to fabricating things that we want. It lends itself to fabricating um, the idea of pleasant experiences, pleasant sense experiences. So generally, um, what's at the heart of our sense desire is a feeling that something could make this moment better, that this moment is insufficient and that happiness resides in the next sense pleasure experience. And in uh, Western culture, there's this, this kind of unspoken story of how to create a happy life. Like a happy life is when we can string together uh, enough back-to-back -back pleasant moments, almost like stringing beads onto a necklace, um, and avoiding all of the unpleasant moments. And then that's, that's what we call a happy life. Um, but of course, we don't have much control over what's pleasant and unpleasant. And um, as I touched on in meditation, anything that's pleasant passes away anyways. So now I do wanna note that not all desires are a problem. Um, you know, wanting to be free from suffering, uh, to be compassionate, wanting to be patient. Like, these are actually wholesome desires um, in Pali, Kusala Chanda or Dhamma Chanda. And these can, these can refer to wholesome desires in contrast with um, tanha, the word that's used to describe, describe craving that leads to suffering. Um, and yet, uh, while not all desire should be let go of, um, you know, we don't want to get rid of our desire for awakening or to be kind. Um, it's good to have the ability to let go of them because we can still suffer even if we're, we're grasping a wholesome desire. Okay, so now that I've shared uh, just a, a bit like the, the lay of the land around sense desire, I want to share uh, the, the one-size-fits-all practice that you can apply to all the hindrances. Um, and if this is the only thing you take away this week, um, it will serve you well. Um, so it has just two steps to it. It's really simple. Um, and it's uh, the first is to recognize and the second is to feel. Um, so that's what we're doing when a hindrance arises. We're recognizing it and we're feeling it. So um, the first, recognize. We're recognizing what's present. Often when we're entranced by a hindrance, um, there's typically an object we're fixated on. And this is particularly true with desire and ill will, the second hindrance. We're, we're fixated on wanting a better apartment or feeling annoyed by a grumpy coworker. Uh, so in these situations, we're preoccupied with the object, um, with the apartment or with the coworker. Um, then there tends to be a lot of mental proliferation about getting what's wanted or getting away what, from what's not wanted. And, and this is where the practice can be extremely beneficial in meditation. Um, instead of just being uh, lost in thoughts and then bringing the mind back to the breath, 
if you notice the same theme coming up in the mind multiple times, like, oh, that restaurant thought again, or um, shopping thought, or a sexual fantasy, or whatever it is, um, this is a great moment to practice this first step of recognition. Um, and you might just ask, you know, is there a hindrance present if you notice that track replaying? Um, or another way to put this is, um, what's fueling this thought? What's fueling this thought? What's behind this? And then sometimes that can help us recognize the hindrance that op that's operating below the mental proliferation. So we might realize, oh, this is sense desire, or oh, this is doubt. And it's really helpful to know a hindrance as a hindrance, like to be aware that it's present. We're, we're so often transfixed by the storyline of what we want or don't want that um, we don't even know that the desire or the aversion are fueling the whole show. So sometimes just the act of naming something in this act of recognition um, makes it so something loses its power. So sometimes if there's something within us that's asking for attention, to recognize it, um, to identify it, gives it the attention it's been seeking and it can release. Um, the author and psychiatrist Dan Siegel coined the, the phrase, uh, name it to tame it. Um, and so sometimes there's a way that this act of naming it can um, allow for release. So, so um, I have a chronic health issue um, and, that, and that health issue can make it so that for me, digesting food can be painful. So if I eat one bite too much, I'll often experience physical pain for a number of hours. Um, so I have to have a really precise relationship with sense desire for food. Uh, and it's not uncommon that a, th a food thought will arise in the mind. Maybe, uh, maybe an image of an ice cream cone floats across the screen. Um, and if it's not a time that I can eat that food, um, the mind will pretty quickly recognize, ah, craving. And it will drop the, um, the thought and it will drop the associated craving. So there's a way that that recognition allows for release. And of course, this letting go isn't always available. So in these cases, uh, simple recognition uh, won't cause the hindrance to dispel. Um, so then we have the opportunity to practice the second step. So recognize, and then secondly, feel. Um, so we're feeling the hindrance, and specifically um, in the body. Uh, we get to know the hindrance, um, get curious about it, and investigate what's going on. Um, so in this way of working with the hindrance, um, with the hindrances, uh, we let go of obsessing about the object and instead turn our attention 180 degrees to look inward at the desire, at the aversion, the restlessness, the doubt, um, turning to look at those at um, themselves. Um, so, so this can begin to pull us out of our trance, um, out of our daydream. Uh, rather than trying to get rid of the hindrance, we turn and look at it with an attitude of acceptance and openness. We, we recognize and we feel it. But I, I want to say just a little bit more about what I mean by feeling it. Um, like, how do we get curious about it and get to know it? Um, we feel, feel the experience in the body. Like, is there tightness? Is there pressure? Is there tingling or heat? Um, so that's how, what I mean by feeling it. And for sense desire, 
there's often a contraction or tension in the body. So you might just see if that's present for you. Um, other ways we might feel the experiences, we might sense uh, what sort of e energy is in the body. Is it high or low energy, maybe a high frequency racing or a, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, maybe a, a heaviness or drooping or lethargy. And uh, for sense desire, um, for some people, it has a heightened energy to it because there's a motivation to get something. You know, there can be a, a forward lean. Um, uh, so uh, we might also feel the interest in the hindrance in the mind heart. Um, what's the emotional tone? Um, how does it color the mind? Uh, what does it make you want to do? Are there re repeating thought patterns? Um, so we're just, we're exploring it when we feel the hindrance. So that's it. Two steps. Recognize and feel. Really easy. Uh, and in applying these to sense desire, it can be really interesting because sometimes sense desire at first glance can, um, can present itself as being quite enjoyable. Like we can get really excited about a home improvement project or, um, or maybe there's a new purchase and the thought can have kind of a, a pleasant sparkle to it. And under the surface, as we begin to investigate this further, often what we find as the mind becomes more settled is that even uh, that, that state of craving itself um, is a state that reflects a, a, a sense of insufficiency. There's an, uh, an underlying sense of uh, not enough or of lack. Um, so if you're having a hard time staying mindful of sense desire, of doing this practice of recognizing and feeling, then you might try an antidote. So an antidote is traditionally a medicine taken to counteract a particular poison. And this isn't any different. Um, so when, when do we apply an antidote to um, a hindrance? So when a person has become overwhelmed or has this sense of like, oh, I can't deal with this, um, then it's time to try something different. So if you've practiced mindfulness of the hindrance for a while and it's not softening, then you might apply an antidote to um, just to help restore the natural balance of the mind. So um, as we went over in our meditation today, one of the antidotes for sense desire is impermanence or inconstancy. Um, you know, whatever it is that we want will pass away in time. And in deeper meditation, uh, watching the passing away of things to actually observe impermanence at work, uh, this can more, more deeply mature our wisdom. Um, and, and when we understand at a deeper level how everything is falling away and changing, it's really hard to be fooled by sense desire because we know the pleasure will pass. Um, so, so lastly, and with, with all the hindrances, don't miss recognizing when they're absent. Um, you know, allow yourself to feel the goodness of a mind that's free of sense desire. Um, you know, allow yourself to register the felt sense, the felt experience of satisfaction and contentment. Because the more satisfaction you're present for in your life, the less likely it is that the mechanism of sense desire will need to kick in to begin with. So, um, so just maybe a moment of, uh, for a moment, I'll just mention just a touch about the attitude. Um, we're meeting the hindrances without judgment. It's just a neutral seeing with the wise, calm mind of a grandmother. Like, oh, 
just desire, just craving. It's okay. So um, during your day today, I hope you're able to recognize and feel any expressions of sense desire that might arise for you. And I hope you can do this with a sense of playfulness, curiosity, and patience. Thank you so much for your attention this morning, and I hope you have a lovely day. Take care.